Hello friends, thank you for joining us and making us a part of your Lenten experience. Over the course of the next few weeks, we will be examining Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb offered as a sacrifice for our redemption. We invite you to join us this season through our Lenten study journal and in our Wednesday and Sunday gatherings. You can find more information on our website at ccgf.org. Here is the message from this past Sunday. Grace and peace to you. You've already had a chance to see um, how we started the month of April with our women's ministry breakfast yesterday morning, which was a great success. We've got a whole month. This whole month of April is packed with great opportunities to be a part of the family here at Christ Church. Let me tell you about two of those things. We've got Holy Week. We're going to tell you about that. It's actually on your Connect card. You can read up on that. There's two other things I want to point your attention to. The first actually happens this coming Thursday, right here in this room, 7 p.m. We're going to have the Micah Tyler concert here. We're really excited about this. This is exciting. Yeah, I see some applause. Some people are excited about it. You should be. Again, that's on Thursday, and that's April 7th. All the proceeds for this concert, this is cool, are going to benefit Watermark Classical Academy. Watermark is devoted to teaching kids through the lens of Scripture. It's an awesome academy. You can read about it when you buy your tickets. So know that you're supporting a really good entity through this. Bring a friend to this. It's a great opportunity. Come and worship with us right here on Thursday night. Not only that, when you fast forward to the end of the month, this will be Friday, um, April 29th at 6 p.m. Again, right here at Christ Church, we're going to be having a showing of the movie, The Most Reluctant Convert, which is the story of C.S. Lewis's life, how he went from an atheist to being the, the world's most renowned Christian thinker and writer of the past hundred years. It's phenomenal. It was a big hit in the box office when it came out, and you have a chance to see it here. In fact, we have some tickets that are going to be only $5 a pop. We have a limited supply of those. Why don't you buy one of those, again, for a friend, invite someone, bring someone with you, someone who, who doesn't believe in Jesus, someone who doesn't believe in God. And I believe this, minute, this movie will minister to them. And then you could buy yourself a ticket. After the $5 tickets are gone, they're only $10. Come and be a part of the community here. Don't just come yourself. Bring some people along. Both of these, you can look to our website, ccgf.org. You'll find tickets for the concert there. And you'll also find tickets for the movie, which you want to grab up now, ccgf.org forward slash 50 North which is the ministry that's sponsoring that showing. So we're excited about all these things that are going to take place. Be a part of the community. It's a great time to be a part of Christ Church. Let's pray, and we're going to dig into the Word. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this great morning to be together. Thank you for that song that's been sung, a new song. And we thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for inspiring our team to, to worship you and to lead us in worshiping you in such creative ways. And thank you, Lord, for your Word. I pray that now, as we look into your Word, you would reveal yourself to us, that we would grow to know you more and love you more, that we would understand your grace, whether it's for the first time or for the thousandth time, but that we would grow deeper roots in Jesus. We give this time to you speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as Pastor Mike has already led us, we are looking at the Passover this morning. You saw that our reading was from Exodus 12. We're going to dig in to the Passover, this traditional meal and celebration in the Jewish community. Did you know that, that the Passover in 2022 will actually begin at sundown on August, I'm sorry, on August, April 15th, which just so happens to be, just so happens to be, the Good Friday. We'll be gathering in this room at that time, which I think is very interesting. Uh, 70% of Jewish people participate 
in the Passover annually. 70%. That's a whole big crowd of people. And it's, it's that number across demographics. So from young to old, we see this participation by the Jewish community in the Passover. 99% of the Orthodox Jewish community participates. 99%. So this is a big deal, of course, in the Jewish community. And the tradition is huge. You know, the Passover is a celebration that goes back over 3,000 years. It's a long time. And the Jews will read when they gather together from the Haggadah, which is in Hebrew, the telling. And what they'll be telling is about the Exodus. They'll be retelling the story of the Exodus from Egypt, which we're going to talk about this morning. And they'll eat a festive meal as well together. You know, the Passover is important for us, I believe, today as we grow to know Jesus more. We've been in this series called Life of Christ, the Lamb. And we've looked together at the sacrificial lamb. We've looked together at the prophesied lamb. We've looked at the exalted lamb who redeems us. And today, we're going to look at the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb. Let me ask you a question. Do you desire to know Jesus more deeply? You don't have to answer out loud. If you want to, you can say amen. Do you want to know Jesus more deeply? If you do, I see some heads nodding. If you do, then there is something here for you as we approach Holy Week, as we approach the the end of this Lenten season with Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. Listen, you can know the greatness of God to a greater degree, as we look at the scriptures this morning, you can also understand your own need for a Savior. In greater depth this morning as we look at this passage. So please, lean into this. We're looking at something that's ancient, that's still today ongoing, and still speaks to us about the Lamb. So here's the deal. We're going to be in Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible. We're going to be in chapter 12. And let me give you just a little background here as we do dig into this about the setting. Everything that we're going to read this morning is taking place as the Israelites are still enslaved in Egypt. That's the setting. Slavery in Egypt, the people of God. And the preceding pages in the book of Exodus um, find that things have come to a boiling point. And when I say a boiling point, particularly between Moses and Pharaoh, you've seen this portrayed theatrically, Moses and Pharaoh, there's this great uh, conflict between them, with Moses representing Israel and the God of Israel, our God, and Pharaoh hardening his heart and digging in his heels. And the Israelites right now, as we begin reading today in Exodus 12, are on the cusp of liberation. They've been enslaved, but now there's the dawning of a new day. There's the hope of a new life that's right before them. And so we're jumping in here, and once again, as we do, this is so interesting, a lamb is front and center. A lamb is front and center. And and this lamb is both a part of the meal, but it's also a part of a ritual that we're going to talk about here this morning. Now, this is different than a sacrificial lamb. We've talked about the sacrificial lamb. This is different. Not, this is not a lamb for atonement. This is a lamb who is intended to set the people apart. So let's go there now, Exodus chapter 12, 
And let's read the first few verses of this passage. You've already heard them read once, a few of these verses, but it's good to hear them again. Open up your Bibles, read along with us. The words will be on the screens as well. The Scripture says this in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. Okay, so here we have these ancient words again, a little bit befuddling to, to us in a modern audience, but I think as you look at this, it'll come clearer for you. The first thing I want to point out to you is this. This is a lamb. You see it here in verse 5. It's a lamb without defect. It's perfect. It's a flawless lamb. It's something that's very valuable, of course, to the family. And this all reminds us of our key verse for this series. Maybe some of you have memorized it. John 1.29. This is where John the Baptist makes a great, big, bold statement about Jesus. And the statement is this. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is a big announcement. You know, Pastor Mike and I had a chance about a month or so ago to go to a basketball game. And, and you've seen this kind of thing if you've been to any sporting event at the basketball game before the game began. They did the pregame introductions, which is a lot of fun. And the lights were flickering and the music was loud. There was fire pyrotechnics going on. And all of this was happening to get everyone excited. They announced the major players, the key players of the game, and everyone's on their feet and they're cheering. And it's calling us to attention. It's calling us to be excited. It's setting the table for what's going to happen over the course of four periods right after that, that big time announcement. And let me tell you, I would liken what's happening here, except on a much bigger scale, a much more important scale, to that pregame announcement. What's happening when John says, look, in some translations, it says, behold, he is setting the table. He is giving his pregame introduction. He is announcing the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lamb of God to the people. He's making a big announcement and he's getting everyone's attention. Maybe there were lights. Maybe there was fire. Who knows? There was a spirit descending like a dove. I could tell you that. And, and there's this huge announcement. And what does he do? He points out the key player, the man in the arena. The man in the arena of the world, he points out the lamb that God sent to them. It's a big announcement. And this lamb is incredible. He's without defect. He is perfect. We've talked about this, but I want to draw your attention to it again because this is important. You know why it's important? Because you and I are not perfect. But this lamb is without defect, without defect. Look at, look at now um, 2 Corinthians uh, in verse 521, the scripture says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that 
in him, we might become the righteousness of God. You know, the Passover lamb is without defect. Well, so is the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. The reason it's a big announcement is because he's perfect. He had no sin, but God made him sin so that we who are sinful might become the righteousness of God. Look at 1 Peter 2.22, a companion verse. There are other verses that point to the perfection of Jesus. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. You can write these down, reflect on them later this week. Here's what 1 Peter 2.22 says. It says, he committed no sin, no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. I love how poetic that is. He committed no sin. Jesus Christ is perfect. And because he is without defect, because he is perfect, here's what I want us to see. This is the big point. I'm cutting to the chase already. The point is this. Christ is our Passover. Christ is our Passover. The one who knew no sin. The one who did no sin. In him there was no sin. Christ is our Passover. That's what I hope you see this morning. Look, he has rescued us from spiritual death. You know, the Israelites were in Egypt and they were on the road to death. Pharaoh's hand was against them. Well, God delivered them. The Passover commemorates that. In the same way, Jesus has rescued us from spiritual death. Knowing that, Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Egypt was a dark land for God's people. He delivered them from that. Jesus is our Passover lamb. He delivers us from the domain of darkness. Jesus delivers us from bondage, the bondage of sin. The Israelites were, were, were delivered from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. You see, Jesus Christ is our Passover. The Passover includes a really unusual ritual. You know, there's this this meal that we're going to talk about. I'll actually show you a photo in a little bit here of what a table might look like. But there's this unusual ritual, and the ritual is this. The blood of a lamb had to be applied, you saw this in the Scripture, to the doorpost of each house. Now that's peculiar. I looked around and I found some pictures of what a Passover table might look like, a Seder. And I could find those. But I couldn't find any modern renderings of people standing in front of their house with a paintbrush that had been dipped in blood and it's smeared all over their doorpost. No one does that. It's unusual. And you know, it's interesting. The Passover meal is one thing for us, but this blood that's applied to the doorposts of a house, it seems to be to us to be out of bounds. It seems to be unusual. I think that's consistent maybe with the way that we as people think about spiritual things. You know, some people, for instance, admire the teachings of Jesus Christ. They see him as a man of peace. They see him as a man of wisdom. They see him as, a, as an interesting figure in the context of history. But those same people perhaps don't want the cross. They don't want to talk about the cross. They don't want to talk about the messy part, the bloody part. Understand this. Just as the Passover isn't complete without the blood on the doorpost, your life, our life, our understanding of who Jesus is is not complete without the death on the cross, his death on the cross that pays for our sins. This blood piece is important. And I know we keep on hitting on this. And you might think enough with the blood, but listen, we have to lean in again and consider the blood and the power of the blood. I'll show you another verse, Hebrews 9.22. Write these down. 
9.22 says this, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. They're painting their houses, the doorposts of their homes. Everything must be cleansed with blood. That's what the law requires. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. This concept of blood is important to us. And here's the thing that I want to leave. Before we leave this section, I've got to say this to you. You know, the blood of of the lamb had to be applied to each individual home. I think that's interesting. It became very personal for the Israelites as they were preparing for the exodus. And, And listen, that same thing goes for us here today. We must appreciate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for ourselves. It has to become personal. You can't rely on your grandmother painting her doorpost for you. You can't rely on on your neighbor painting their doorpost for you. No, it has to become personal. And there has to be an application, which is trust in the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for you, that his sacrifice is accounted for on your behalf. Look, it has to become personal. It's a game changer. It happened in my life. You know, I went to church for a long time and I heard stories about Jesus. I was one of the people thought, yeah, Jesus, he's a cool dude. Jesus is awesome, right? But I never personally applied the message of the cross, the message of Jesus until I became a young man. Maybe that day is for you right now. Maybe some of you, like God's speaking right now and saying, yeah, that's you. You've never personally applied the blood of Jesus to your life. There's an invitation on the table today to do that. We see the Israelites preparing for the Passover, and they're going to paint their doorposts with the blood. May our hearts be be covered with his blood. May we cling to the blood of Jesus. Let's keep on going in Exodus 12. There's a lot here. Let's look at Exodus 12, verses 8 through 11. That same night, the night they paint their, their doorposts with the blood, that same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire. This is the lamb, along with the bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it up. Okay, so now we get into the meal. And this meal is an important part of the Passover. Again, there's a picture of it. This is a beautiful display of what a Passover table might look like. Doesn't that look good? I mean, you see there the, the matzah and the, the bitter herbs. You even see the lamb there. It's a great, beautiful meal. It's rich in symbolism, by the way. In fact, we're going to be spending some time, another one of these uh, jam-packed activities we have going on in April, on Maundy Thursday. Not this coming Thursday, but next. This is the Thursday before Easter Sunday. Some people know it as Holy Thursday. We're going to host right here a Seder meal. It's going to be led by a friend of mine named Steve Wiggins. This is a picture of Steve. Look what a handsome guy he is. Steve is going to be here, and he is going to be leading us through Seder. He's great. Steve was a, a Christian recording artist about 20 years ago in a band called Big Tent Revival. He's really just a fantastic speaker and teacher. Come out for this. Participate in this Seder And you're going to see Jesus more richly because all these elements point to who Christ is, what God has done through Jesus. It's amazing. It's rich in symbolism. Come out for that. But here's what I want to point out to you today. As we consider this meal of the unleavened bread and the lamb and the bitter herbs, listen, 
there's a message here for us, generally speaking today, that we must feed on Christ. We must pull up to the table, put our napkin and our shirt, get our fork and our knife out, and we must feed on Christ. In fact, you know, we're going to have the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments. Pastor Robbie's going to come forward and, and lead us in that. And when he does, one of the things he's going to say, he's going to say, feed on Christ in your hearts. He's going to use that terminology. Feed on Christ in your hearts. You might think, that sounds weird. That sounds unusual. Well, listen, as we worship, as we devote ourselves and meditate on the Scriptures, as we pray, as we believe and trust God, we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. It's God's nourishment for us. We feast on Jesus. We feed on Christ in our hearts. You know, feeding on Christ is the spiritual act of trusting in God, trusting in Jesus. That's what feeding on Christ means. It's the spiritual act of actually trusting in Jesus. I'll tell you about a person who's trusted in Jesus, who's feeding on him in her heart. I talked to a young woman who goes to a, a local university on the phone this week. She recently was here for a worship service, and she committed her life to Jesus. She gave her life to Jesus Christ, and we were talking and celebrating that moment, and she told me a bit about her background. You know, she said that, that she had a really tough upbringing, that she's really struggled throughout the years with many different things. She detailed that for me. But she told me about the hope and the life and the freedom that she's finding in Jesus Christ. You know what this young woman's doing? She's feeding on Christ in her heart as she trusts him more and more. And she's going to continue to do that. She's gotten plugged in to her college and career ministry. She's got a sense of community and family there. She is, she is getting into the scriptures. We've given her a life-focused New Testament. And she's going to start reading the scriptures for the first time, she told me, as she gets into that Bible. She's considering being baptized. All of these are examples of how we feed on Christ in our hearts. Feeding on Christ is a spiritual act of trusting in Jesus. And so we see them gathering around the table. And it reminds us that we must feast on the Lamb. We must feast on Jesus. The narrative continues. Look at verse 12 uh, through 14 with me. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. I'll bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. You know, I feel like I need to take a moment just to address this. Because this is hard. And it's heavy when we consider little babies being led to destruction. And it's hard for us to understand because we know that God's for life, right? We believe that life is sacred. We, we advocate for the sanctity of life because of who God is. Yet here we see this terrible thing happening in Egypt. And we wonder why. We wonder how can this be? Why would God slay the firstborn? Look, I don't want to try to explain this away to you, but I, I will give you a principle to consider. And I think it has pertinence to all of us. As we consider this, this part of the Exodus, this part of the Passover. Look, there's a principle of compensation. Principle of compensation, which is essentially, 
You reap what you sow. You've heard of that. Well, in, in Egypt, the firstborn weren't just special. They were considered to be sacred. In the same way, God's people are identified in the pages of Scripture as special to Him. And, and what had happened, if you, again, you go back, you look, for instance, at Exodus 4, you'll see that God had sent Moses to warn Pharaoh to not treat God's firstborn the way that he was treating them. And God, through Moses, told Pharaoh, he said, listen, the way that you treat Israel's firstborn will, will show and determine how Egypt's firstborn are treated by God. And so the, the law of compensation or the principle of compensation kicks in. Pharaoh, if you go back to Exodus 1, he took the little Jewish babies and he drowned them in the Nile River. He mistreated the people of God as slaves in Egypt. And so what happens? Compensation. And there comes the plague on the firstborn of Egypt. You reap what you sow. Listen, God isn't unjust in permitting this law to operate in the world. We don't just see it here. We also see it if you look at the life of Jacob. Jacob lied to his father Isaac. He deceived him. And what happens when you fast forward to when Jacob is a daddy? Well, his sons deceived him in a very painful way. Or look at the life of David, the king. He committed adultery. And he had a man murdered. And what happens in David's life subsequently? The consequences of those decisions is played out in the life of his family. We can't outrun this principle, the principle of compensation, that we reap what we sow, that the wages of sin is death. I know this is heavy, and I know it seems like oh, we have to wrestle with this, but the truth of the matter is, apart from Jesus Christ, apart from Jesus Christ, we have judgment. There's a coming judgment, and it will fall on all the earth. But listen, those who are covered in the blood of the Lamb, this is where the news gets good. Those who are covered by the blood of the Lamb will have salvation, are forgiven, even their worst sins. And so understand this, you don't have to sit under judgment. Pharaoh could have relented. Pharaoh could have said, no, he hardened his heart. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. There is salvation available through Jesus Christ for you by his blood, the blood of the lamb. Would you apply it to your doorpost? Would you grab on and embrace the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ? It's there for you. I had to address that. I don't want to just glaze over these hard parts of the scriptures. I hope that gives you some understanding. And as we continue to read about the Passover, flip with me in Exodus 12 to verse 25. Because now that we've heard about the, the plague coming, the blood on the doorpost, and how this is to be a day of commemoration, this Passover, for generations to come. We read this in verse 25. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. This is the Passover it's being spoken of. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes 
when he struck down the Egyptians. And then the people bowed down and worshiped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And so here we see the Passover. And the Passover is for the whole tribe. It's for all of Israel. It's for the family. And it's meant to be a memorial. A memorial to the exodus. The freedom from slavery that the people are given. You know, the, the exodus, and one of the readings I came across this week, was referred to as the greatest redemptive event in the entire Old Testament. It's a big statement, and I can't argue against it. The greatest single event, the greatest redemptive event in the Old Testament. And not only that, you could say this, understanding the Exodus and therefore the Passover is the key to understanding the entire Old Testament, all of it. You could could even go on to say this, that understanding the Exodus and the Passover is key to understanding and unlocking the entire plot line of the scriptures. This is vital for us to understand. And it's for the whole family. It's a memorial. Listen, the Israelites were were, were instructed to partake on an annual basis as a way of celebrating and commemorating what God had done by redeeming them from slavery. It's a time to proclaim their redemption. Did you catch that? They don't just sit and remember it. It's not just a memorial. They proclaim. Look at verse 26 again. 27, rather. It says, when the kids ask you, what does this ceremony mean? It says, tell them. It says, proclaim. They're to proclaim what God has done. You shall say, we remember this. We testify to what God has done. It's powerful. The Passover is a memorial. It's a proclamation. And you know what? We have something that is big for the entire community of believers, the entire Christian church, the family of God. You know what that thing is? It's communion. Communion to us is a memorial. It's something where we remember what God has done. It's interesting. The Last Supper, you know, we were talking about this year and Passover falling on on Good Friday. That's the beginning of it. Well, the Last Supper was likely held, from what we could tell. It was likely held on Passover during the Passover meal when Jesus gathered the disciples, when he instituted the, the, the Lord's Supper, communion. It happened in the midst of Passover. And so Jesus' words about the bread and the body, Jesus' words about the blood and the cup, these words are right alongside them eating the lamb, the Passover lamb. Is that not powerful? And, and I've got to believe that the disciples were understanding his words in connection and in relation to the Passover and the Passover lamb. In fact, you could see in 1 Corinthians 5, 7 that this is what the early church believed. I'm just going to show you a a portion of the scripture. Write this one down. Here's what the early church believed. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. They connected those dots. This isn't just me connecting those dots. Christians from the very beginning have connected the dots between the Passover lamb and Jesus Christ. Jesus is our Passover. He is our Passover lamb. He's the fulfillment of this whole thing. And so when we look at communion, when we have these words of institution, we're remembering. It's a memorial to Jesus. Look at this. Look at the words. I'm just going to fly through this. 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 23 and 26. I receive, Paul says, I receive from the Lord, but I also pass to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. 
He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a memorial. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. You see, the Lord's Supper is intended to be a memorial where we remember our deliverance, where we remember how God has delivered us from darkness and how he has set us free from the bondage of sin through Jesus Christ, his body and his blood. Let that rest deeply in you. I pray that you'll know Jesus more. That as we participate in the sacrament this morning, you will love God more. You will trust Jesus more because of what you see here in the Passover. And just as the Passover was a memorial and a proclamation, so is the Lord's Supper. It is a memorial. It's also a proclamation. In fact, what I just read to you says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do what? You proclaim. You proclaim. You stand up and you shout the Lord's death. You announce it to the world like you're at a big time game. You announce the Lord's death till he comes again. And so when Robbie gets up here and he leads us, he's going to say this. He's going to say, therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. It's a, little, it's a little package, a little summary of what we proclaim to the world. By the way, it's not just meant to be proclaimed in this room to one another. We don't just say it to other Christians. We say this to the world. It's meant to be front-facing. It's meant to be taken out into the streets, into your neighborhood, into the city, into the world. We proclaim. We don't just remember Jesus. We proclaim that he has died and he has risen, that he will come again. And so listen, when we think about proclaiming, and I'm going to lean into this again, it's more than just in this room mouthing words. We are to share and proclaim Jesus everywhere we go. We remember him, we proclaim him. You know, sharing faith in the Christian church is becoming increasingly optional. I found some stats this week that George Barna tells us that less than 50% of Christians have shared their faith even one time in the past 12 months. Think about that. That means that half this room, half of us, at the very least, have not shared our faith with someone else in the past year. Have you ever shared your faith? Have you ever taken that step of telling someone about the hope you have, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again? Have you shared that news? Listen, we're giving you some ways you can do this. This is important. We have these invest and invite cards. And you could take this card and you can make an invitation to someone. An invitation is huge. It starts with an invitation. Someone invited me to, a, to, a, to an event where I was invited to trust in Christ. An invitation is a huge deal. I'll tell you how this plays out in life of the church. I just so happened, once again, just so happened, to come across a letter that I received one year ago almost to the day. And this letter is in relation to someone's experience last Easter. Listen to this, okay? The letter says, I'll read you just some bits and pieces of this. Not having attended church services for many years, no one like that? Not having attended church services for many years, I convinced myself that I was spiritual rather than religious. That sounds like a lot of people these days. And that, I worked, and that worked for me for several years. But then the worst thing in my life happened. It was a Sunday morning, and my husband died suddenly. 
And as I was grieving, the days and weeks, especially Sundays, were extremely difficult and depressing. What a hard thing. So many people have situations like that, by the way. The person continues. I realized what I was seriously lacking in my life. And I reached out to my cousin. She, along with her husband, have been longtime members of Christ Church. And this cousin invited this person to the Easter services here. Invest and invite. And here's what she says about that. I will never forget that service and the powerful message of Jesus all through an invitation. This person's life was transformed by the gospel. And it starts with an invitation. It starts with us proclaiming, proclaiming the message of Jesus. We remember it together. We proclaim it. That's what we're called to do. That's what the Passover is. The Passover is a memorial and it's a proclamation. And let me tell you, the Lord's Supper, we're going to enjoy it together, is a memorial and it's an invitation. I'll tell you this. Israel looked back to the Exodus through the Passover meal. And we look back to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus through the Lord's Supper. I hope you see this connection. I hope you're growing in Jesus. It's a message to be proclaimed. It's a message that's delivered us, that, that, that God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and that through Christ we have forgiveness of sins. It's for us. Okay, let me wrap this up. You know, there, there's two verses that are seemingly unimportant when you read this passage. We might fly through, but I think they help us understand the entirety of the passage. The first I'll show you is this. Look at verse 11 again. Exodus 12, 11 says, This is how you're to eat the Passover, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Okay, this is interesting. You might think, well, these seem like frivolous details. A little dress code for the Passover meal? No, there's a meaning here. There's a point here. You see, the people had their shirt tucked in. They had their sandals on. They had their staff in their hand because they were ready to go. They were going to be fleeing from Egypt, the land of darkness. They were going to be getting out of slavery. They were on their way to freedom. And he said, as soon as you eat this meal, be ready. Get ready to go. Be completely prepared to begin your journey. And it says to do it in haste. What does in haste mean? With urgency. Eat it quickly. Don't waste time. Take advantage of this opportunity. Paint the doors of your doorpost. Uh, paint the, the, your doorpost with blood. Be urgent about this. Get ready to go. Don't hem-haw around because there's something that's important. The time is now. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Listen, there is urgency inherent in this message too. The message of Jesus is to be taken in haste. Don't wait another moment. If you have not trusted in Christ, what are you waiting for? Are you ready to begin this journey? Get your pants tucked in. Get your staff ready. Get your shoes tied. Come on, the time is now. The table is set. The table is set. The fact of the matter is, none of us know when we'll be called home, when this life will run out. Don't haste. Don't wait. The moment is now. That's inherent in the message of Passover. It's inherent in the message of Jesus. There's one more verse I want to point out that's connected, and that's verse 2. It says, this month, is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. You know, they instituted right here, God instituted for the Israelites a new calendar. 
Their previous calendar had begun roughly at the equivalent of our October. That's when their calendar had traditionally begun. Their year began then. But now God's saying something new. Now the year is to begin in what would be April. You see, they changed their whole calendar. This was such a significant event, this Passover, this Exodus, that the Israelites' entire calendar was changed. They moved their January to another time. You see this? This is huge. You know where I'm going with this. God wants to mark a new beginning in your life. So he wants to do. He wants you to begin anew. Trusting in the Lamb, trusting in Jesus Christ, marks the beginning of your new life. It all starts there. God wants you to mark that moment. Come and reset the deck. That's the opportunity we have today. And I'll tell you how you can do this. You can do it through communion. Let me ask you a question. Are you in need of forgiveness? Are you in need of deliverance? Are you in need of grace? The table is here. It's ready for you. Are you in need of new life? Do you want a taste of new life? Let me tell you, the table is set and prepared for you. It's here. Do you desire to move out of darkness and into light? Do you want to have fellowship with other people who can journey with you? Do you want to be a part of a meal, a part of a community where the master The Toastmaster knows your name and cares about you. This table is for you. You want to know Jesus in a deeper way. This table is for you. Listen, Pastor Robbie's going to come forward. He's going to lead us in this great meal. And as he does, I pray you'll do this. You will come urgently. Get your shoes on. Button up your pants. Button your shirt up. Come on that you will be ready and that you will embrace the new beginning through Jesus Christ, remembering who he is and proclaiming his life boldly. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning and for this incredible scripture and the Passover meal, Lord. How powerful. And we thank you, Lord, for Jesus, who is our Passover. We thank you, Lord, that through him we're delivered. We thank you that through him we move from darkness to light and that we're freed from the bondage of slavery. I pray, Lord, that as we consider him, that we would apply his blood to our lives. That we would not only remember Jesus, but that we would proclaim him in this room and in the world. Oh God, help us to do this with urgency. Oh God, help us to, to start anew with Jesus right now in this moment. Give us the clarity of thought. Give us the openness of heart, Lord to embrace Jesus, who is our Passover lamb. We pray this in his name. Amen.